Carter Report presents worship from the Community Adventist Fellowship in Glendale, California. A special welcome to all of our viewers in North America and our new friends and churches in Russia. Today you'll enjoy uplifting music and the preaching of the everlasting gospel by pastor, teacher, and evangelist John Carter. Please get your Bible and study the Word of God with us today. Thank you for joining us for Worship and Praise.
March 1991 was the month that changed my life. I received a phone call from Robert Spangler at the General Conference with an invitation to run the first evangelistic campaign ever in the history of the Soviet Union. When Beverly and I got on a jet and flew to Moscow, it was the first time a person from the West had come to run an evangelistic series of meetings. I'll never forget those precious ten days. We're only there for ten days. We ran the meetings in the Palace, Palace of Culture just down the road from the Kremlin. I'll never forget the hunger, the spiritual hunger of the Russian people. How I would preach for two hours, a normal sermon. I would preach for two hours and after the sermon the people would line up across the stage begging to ask questions. And uh, I can remember a doctor of psychology from Moscow University coming to me, March 1991, and saying, please tell me, how can I find God? People ask this question, how can I find God? I think of a young man, Beverly and I remember him, his name is Andrew. Andrew came to me and he said, this is the first time I've ever heard about God. I said, uh, what is your faith? He said, I'm an atheist. I said, you believe there's no God? He said, I don't know. Most of these people do not know. They're not so much atheists as, you know, they just don't know. Agnostics. They've never had an opportunity. I can remember his interviewing me on Good Evening Moscow. It was the first time that a, a minister had been interviewed on prime time in Russia. I can remember going to the great television station on the outskirts of Moscow and being interviewed there and Andrew getting the staff, the staff of Good Evening Moscow around him and around Beverly and myself and our talking to them from the Bible and then having a prayer with the staff of Good Evening Moscow. There I sensed that something great was happening perhaps unprecedented in the history of the church since the days of Pentecost. I want to say to every person in the church today and those who are watching on 3ABN, I can testify today that I've seen the outpouring of the latter rain. Now, it is very hard to convince church people about this in this country because they have become so unbelieving and so sinful in their unbelief and in their superficial piety and in their hypocrisy. Pardon my saying this, but that's how I feel. You talk to people, not to you folks, but I talk to people in America and in Australia about these things, and they're so skeptical, they say, oh, but do they really believe? How many are going to stay? Almost makes you feel like throwing up. The unbelief that is here in this country. But I want to tell you, God is pouring out the Holy Spirit in a mighty way in the land of the ex-Soviet Union. Then, acting in faith, we believe, we went ahead in March 1991 and we hired the Kremlin, the great palace in the Kremlin. That was historic. We paid the money for it. We, we organized getting the Kremlin. And at the invitation of the Russian brethren, the Russian church, we were asked to conduct a series of meetings in the Kremlin. But those who are members of this church will know what happened. It was taken from us. 
And the Russian brethren were as disappointed about this as we were. But then we were asked to go to a town by the name of Gorky. The very word Gorky summed up our feelings. You know what Gorky means? Bitter. Steve knows because he, he talks Russian very well. He does. He talks Russian well. He can preach in Russian. Now he's going to be preaching soon in Spanish. He has the gift of tongues. He has. God has blessed him with the gift of tongues. I can remember in three years ago, January 1992. Now pardon my plain speech. God made me this way. God made me this way. Some people say to me, you know, you'd get a lot further if you didn't always tell the truth. I'm happy to be where I am. Thank you very much. I can remember three years ago getting on the train, the Trans-Siberian Express, and traveling down to Gorky, that means bitter. When we got off the train there just over a week ago, eight days ago, it was like going back three years. It was snowing like crazy. It was very cold. The wind was blowing. There's no platform there. You just got to you get down off the train and you get onto a sheet of ice. And three years ago, I think we were the first foreigners to visit this city. Some of the first, at least. Because since the days of Stalin, Gorky had been proclaimed a closed city. Because the Russians and the communists were carrying out their experiments there. They were making nuclear weapons, nuclear submarines, uh, MiG fighter jets, and they were carrying out an atheistic experiment to get rid of the name of God. And the place had only been opened a few weeks before we got there. And as we got off the train, I'll never forget, if I live to be a thousand, and I'm going to live to be more than that, by the grace of God, going to live to be a billion and only just start it. As I got off the train, and Paul Zink was with us, who was here today, God bless Paul, and uh, Leonard Fundo, the grandson of Levi Matthew Braginsky, the co-founder of the KGB, was also there with us. What an experience. As I looked down, as I was getting off the train, standing down in the snow and the ice were the survivors of the Church of God in Gorky. Just a little group of four or five Russians with their wonderful hats on. And they embraced us and kissed us. Alexander was there and Vasily <laughs> and Vitelli, who drives like Jehu. We know him well. You have to be saved to have peace when you drive with Vitelli. We know him well, a great friend, wonderful friend. Drives so fast in the snow and in the ice. And we met there with the survivors of the church. The church had been decimated in the city of Nizhny Novgorod. The church had only 150 members left. 150 survivors. I'll never forget going there on the Sabbath and preaching the word. Just hold it for me, Steve, please. Thank you. I remember going there and preaching the word of God. One of the first foreigners ever to go to that church. I can remember as I got up to preach for the first time in Gorky that uh, there was a great hush and as I spoke to the people the congregation silently sat there and wept. I'll never forget it, looking over the congregation, everybody just crying. Why were they crying? 
because it was a new day. The first time there was freedom. Somebody could come and preach the word. I remember going, Helen, and you came with us that year, but I remember going and hiring the Palace of Sport. People say, well, you know, it must be a great holiday when you go over there. Why don't you come and find out? Somebody said to me today, God bless him, he said, did you have a nice time? <laughs> God bless him. And have mercy on his soul. I can remember going and, and we hired the Palace of Sport that seated 7,000 people. I can remember the standing beneath the photo of Lenin. And uh, I can remember the old communist uh, man who was in charge of the theater saying, nobody's going to come, nobody's going to come. We don't even think about him anymore. I can think when the meeting started in June, how God turned bitterness into sweetness. I believe in a sovereign God and that all things work together for good. And that was the best kick in the pants we ever received from the brethren. Because the brethren forbade us to go to the Kremlin and so they kicked us in the seat of the pants to Gorky but God blessed us there with the latter rain. <laughs> So you don't need to be worried about what people do to you if your trust is in God. But if you lose your trust in God, then you lost everything. I can remember when we opened up there, the people bashing on the doors, every seat taken, every standing spot taken. I can remember the old Russian man standing out in the snow crying out, I've waited 70 years for this. I've waited 70 years for Jesus. In the name of God, let me in. I can remember the people coming in saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We were running two sessions every night for six weeks. Five o'clock and seven o'clock. Two different audiences. I can remember by the second week, the authorities in the KGB who ended up working for us, <laughs> we had to hire them to control the crowds. Hear that? We never worked for the KGB. The KGB worked for us. I can remember the authorities coming to us and saying, unless you go to three sessions, we'll have to close you down. So we started up three sessions, three o'clock, five o'clock, seven o'clock, packed to the doors. Those of you who came will never forget those marvelous days. We can testify today to the power of God. We can testify that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. We can testify that there's a God in heaven and there's power in the word. And I just pray that the day is going to come soon when we're going to see a mighty spiritual revolution in this country. I believe it's going to come. I believe that the United States economy is going to collapse. I believe it's going to happen. I believe that we're going to have riots in the street. I believe this. I believe it's going to be brought about because of the socialistic policies that have been fostered upon this country and by the destruction of the faith in the hearts of the people. I believe that we're living in a time of crisis for America and the world. And I believe that God is going to do something here in this country. I remember in 1992, the largest baptism in the history of the Soviet Union. Don't minimize what God has done. 2,000 
530 precious ex-communists, ex-orthodox, ex-atheists baptized in the waters of the Volga River. Glory be to God. The greatest baptism since 988 when Prince Vladimir baptized people in the river down at Kiev. And this year we're going to have a baptism there too. Glory be to God. I can think in 1992 of the history-making meeting when I was privileged to talk to a thousand officers of the KGB. When General Vladimir said to me, come and preach the word to us, we also have souls. And for the first time in the history of Russia, a preacher from the West preached to the officers of the KGB and had an appeal that they would worship the Creator God. Is it amazing or is it not? Some of you here today are living in the lowlands and you do not know what God is doing in this world. It is time for us to know the power of God in our own lives. Amen. Then there came 1993 when there was a repeat. Thousands more coming to God. Helen will never forget, Helen, how the people would break down the doors and then they would charge run to the front, 10,000 people charging to the front to accept Christ. Hey, you say they must be illiterate, they must be peasants. Can I tell you something? On the whole, far better educated than we are. Russia is 100% literate. In this country, I'm told, 30% of the population cannot read the newspaper. That's not so there. Audiences filled with teachers and doctors and scientists and philosophers and artists and musicians. The most educated audiences in the world. The greatest mission field. Then there came 1994. Uh, when we moved to the Volga auto plant area and hired this great theater at the Volga auto plant. I can think during the first weekend that six of the large plate glass doors were broken. How were they broken? By people trying to get into the meetings. People trying to come to God. People trying to find Christ. I tell you, my friend, what a day. And so far in Nizhny Novgorod, because that's the old new name, it used to be called Nizhny Novgorod hundreds of years ago, before Stalin, then it was changed to Gorky, Incidentally, Sakharov, the great physicist, came and lived in Gorky. He was sent there because they said that was the ultimate punishment. This is the place where we send the dissidents to Gorky. Because once we send the dissidents there, nobody will hear about them again. So Sakharov came and lived in Gorky. And you know what the word Sakharov means? Sweetness. And people said that because this famous dissident, this most famous Russian, had come and lived in Gorky, he'd turned the city of bitterness into sweetness. And I want to tell you folks something. The Gorky experience, even though it started as a nightmare, became the sweetest experience in our lives. Because God can take a bitter experience, he can take a Gorky, and he can turn it into a Sakharov, he can make it sweet for you. Isn't that good? Because why? He's a sovereign Lord. He's on his throne. And all things work together for good. <laughs> so let us tell you what happened. 
we got into Nizhny Novgorod on, on the Friday morning, that's a week ago, I think yesterday. Got off the train, I felt like coming home, and there was Vitaly there. Alexander wasn't there because he had to take the bus and missed us, because he's lost his license. Poor Alexander, God bless him, he's the president of the conference. A great guy, just a wonderful, marvelous, born-again, spirit-filled Christian. But that night, that's a week ago last night, I took my first meeting. You always have worries, unless you're supernatural. You wonder how these folks are going to survive. Are they going to give up? Because some do give up. Not as many give up over there as give up here, though. The apostasy rate is less there than it is here. And the people there live a life of hell. So on the Friday night, I was asked to go to the church. We own one church building there. And it was not announced. It was not advertised. It was just to be for that church. I had a great experience. When I got to the church, the foyer was filled the balcony was filled with young people. The church was filled with people standing around the aisles. I almost felt embarrassed to go in, which is unusual for me. I felt somewhat unworthy to go in. Unworthy to get the welcome I was going to get. When I went into the church, the folks in that church are very conservative. I've never in my life Harold, Beverly and Ed, Steve, and everybody felt such a pervasive sense of love. I haven't felt it before. It seemed to, seemed to fill the, the church. How does love fill a church? <clears throat> How does it fill a church? How is it that you can feel it? I went up the front. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm still getting over jet lag. I got over there in the jet lag for a week and then you come back and you jet lagged again. So, But I, I just felt a, an overwhelming sense of love that was flowing out from the people. You could see it in their eyes, in their faces. Then they had a choir that sang for me. It was beautiful. And then the congregation stood up and sang a hymn. I think it's as close to heaven as I will ever get. I felt so much love and so much, so much of the Spirit of God. I looked into the faces of the people and I saw so much of Jesus in their faces. I preached them a sermon on the entire book of Romans. <laughs> what I usually take 12 weeks to do, I did that evening. Because it's important to emphasize over and over again the gospel of the cross. That we're saved by grace. Then the next morning I went to church. It was snowing. It was very cold. It was about 10 below. Fortunately, I don't feel the cold too much. And I, I've got a Russian hat and I've got thermal underwear. and I don't feel the cold. When I got to the church, I did think to myself, how many folks are going to come? Because there are no cars virtually out the front. Maybe three or four cars. The people have to travel, some of them, hours on the train, on buses, through the snow. They come with their little kids. 
Mothers come bearing their babies. When I came to the hall, it was packed. Every seat taken, people standing up everywhere. We had 12 pastors who spoke during Sabbath school and who gave an excellent lesson. That I preached a sermon on things that we can believe in. The great truths that we can build our faith on. Things that are worth dying. Then I had an altar call and literally thousands of people came down the front. It was like going back. People came down the front. They were crying. Um, it's a very moving experience. Then I said, I want you to come outside and stand with me in the snow. I, I want to photograph you. And as we came outside, glory be to God, the clouds were blown away and the sun came out bright and clear. A beautiful experience. I stood there at least for an hour with the Russians. Uh, they hugged me and kissed me. And getting kissed by a hundred babushkas is quite an experience. <laughs> they don't have soft little kisses. Their kisses are enough to just about take the skin off your cheek. <laughs> Strong people. Then we had a meeting on Sunday night. Had a meeting on Saturday night. A meeting on Sunday night. Every seat taken. Uh, Sunday night's meeting was a little emotional at the end. Uh, after the meeting, people came down the front and wanted to ask me questions. Please pray for me. Uh, they passed me uh, heaps and heaps of letters that are testimonies. And I've only had some of these translated, but they'll break your heart to read them. After the meeting on Sunday night, after I spoke to the people for a while, I went out to get in the car, and a great bunch of Russians came out and didn't want me to leave. And I, I, got, I was in the car, so I got out of the car. It was snowing heavily, and I stood there. I, I, I didn't have a hat on, because I didn't expect that I'd be standing outside. And I started to really get cold. But they came and they didn't want me to go. And uh, I had a translator there, Galena was my translator, whom I baptized three years ago, two and a half years ago. And she said, the people are saying, don't forget us. Don't forget us. Please don't forget us. The needs of the people there physically are immense, but their spiritual needs are even more so. I'm going to read you now, if I can find it, a testimony. Just hold that there, Steve, if you don't mind. <clears> then <throat> I won't lose track of where I'm supposed to be at. Let me read you this letter. This is a strange letter. Uh, it's about a lady and a dog. Uh, it's a strange letter, but I'm going to read it to you. But it represents what a lot of these people are, are going through, I believe. No, I'm okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I don't know English, so my letter is translated by my true friend, dear John Carter. Now, if, if there are things in here that seem eulogistic towards me, then you'll just have to uh, take that because I'm not making this up. Thank you very much for wonderful hours of spiritual ascent for gladness to be in personal contact with you. As I listened to your unique preaching with great attention, I understood that the science wasn't the single way of getting to know the world, 
I see the religion is equivalent to the science to my mind. I thank you for Christian outlook. I thank you for all those days I felt the great holiday in my heart. <coughs> I mean that the mind is not everything in the man. There is a soul. Dear Pastor John Carter, there is a place in your generous heart for many people feeling themselves depressed and anxious. And I believe that there is a place for me in your heart. Listen to what has happened to me. Read about it, please. For two and a half years ago, the fate took my last joy, the dog Amethyst. But first of all, I shall tell you about my hard life. It lasts 28 years, hard, very hard years. My only son, Alexandra, is ill. His legs are bad. <clears throat> I spent my life in the struggle for his health. My son had many operations. They didn't help him. They were useless. I spent my life without sleeping. We went to the sanatorium every year, but I had a few money. I left my husband. He was a bad man. I was sad all the time. My son is alive, but he is an invalid. He can't walk. He can't walk. He lies in bed. I try not to think of this because it is the great pain. But my troubles were not over. When the son was 15 years old, I felt the worst thing is in front of me. The son became sometimes mad as his father. His mind is bad. So is my life. My misfortune is great. Will it be all my life? But why am I telling about my dingo dog, Amethyst? The dog took care of my house. No stranger could enter my house. The dog licked the wounds of my son. The dog slept together with him. It warmed his legs. When I was at work, my son was not alone. And the dog is beautiful. It is dark bronze. The breast and the stomach are white as snow. The legs are half white. The dog has clever eyes of gold color. It is flexible, strong, very strong. It is a true friend. You would say, it is very strange that she is melancholy for a dog. There is a reason. When my son became mad and beat me, the dog saved me. Without Amethyst, it became more difficult. Sometimes I'm afraid of my son Amethyst. He, uh, and he, she needs to be guarded when she's sleeping. But somebody I don't know who stole my dog. I don't know where it is now. I look for Amethyst everywhere, but in vain. And then I came to the church, to one another. All the priests said to me, it's impossible to pray for the dog. And at last you came to our country, to our city. I saw you first time last year. My first pastor became Grigory Griganovich. We know him well. I told him about my trouble, and Grigory Griganovich prayed for me in the church in Shevenko Street. I began to go to your preaching. Last year I was absent only five last preaching because my third brother died tragically that time. All my three brothers died tragically. I went to the north to the village where my brother lived and died. I went to his burial. On that day when I received the telegram, you signed the Bible. I came to you. I shut my face with hand not to cry. You took my hand and calmed me. I thank you for this very much. Though my hard way of life is long, I feel you helped me to rise above the unsmiling destiny. The life brightened with soft light. 
misfortune lied down the heart, but my soul is alive. Heavy, deaf loneliness went away. Dear Pastor John Carter, I want to ask you a favor. Remember me in your prayers when you are in other cities and other countries, among other people, in other situations. My dear Pastor John Carter, remember me please. Remember me please. Remember me please. I want to finish my letter with the words, and then Russian, God with you. Lots of people like that. Lots of people like that. This one gives me some encouragement. When I was in Gorky in Istinovgorod just the other day, a young man came to me that we baptized less than two years ago. His name is, is Igor. He baptized in the 1993 evangelistic campaign. Here's his letter. It's written to this church. It's written to our friends on 3ABN. Not just written to me. Dear brethren and sisters in Christ, I'm a pastor of the Somovo Church, set up by Elder Pastor Carter in 1994 after his campaign. I would like first of all to thank my God for the privilege to choose me for the ministry for him. It happened in 1993 during Pastor Carter's meetings. Something touched my heart at those meetings. How, now I get it, that it was the work of the Holy Spirit. I made up my mind to try to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the reinders who are here, take this message back to the folks in Bakersfield, Pacific Health, because this young man came to the School of Evangelism. He says, I entered the intensive course for pastors. That's what the people in Bakersfield sponsored. Sponsored by my dear brethren and sisters. Graduated from it and became an assistant pastor in Nizdi Novgorod. In October, I was appointed by the conference as a pastor. Baptized a year and a half ago, now serving as a full-time pastor in the church. Is that amazing? 18 months. What has God done? Uh, he goes on, he thanks us for the material that we've got for him. We're getting him a synthesizer and we're paying for a PA system for the church. Now, let me come to this section, finally, brethren. What about the future? Where do we go from here? Uh, when we flew over and went to Germany, then we went to Kiev. Kiev is the capital of the Ukraine. It's a city of three and a half million. It is the birthplace of Russian Orthodoxy. It's where they had the first baptism in 988, full of cathedrals. Now, we don't have the money to do this, but we're doing it just the same. We have hired there the biggest hall in town. It's right on the metro. It seats nine and a half thousand. The hall is going to cost $45,000. We have paid a deposit of $20,000 on the hall. What are conditions like in Kiev? I spoke to all the ministers and all the lay leaders on Wednesday night or Tuesday night. 
On Wednesday night, I took a combined meeting for all the members in that part of the Ukraine. Brethren, wait till you hear this. A pastor in Kiev, an ordained minister, gets per month for his family, for his car allowance, which he doesn't have, of course, but to travel on the buses, his wage is $20 a month. $20 a month. I said to one of the pastors, what are the people living on? Most of the people. He said, bread and water. I said, what about potatoes? He said, we can't afford potatoes. You just wonder, what can you do? God has given us the gospel, and we must share it. The cost of the campaign in Kiev, it's not going to be a small amount. It's going to cost 250000 Because for foreigners, everything is put up. We're going to advertise on television, radio. We're going to prepare in the United States of America 500,000 color brochures. The campaign is going to start at the end of July and go every night of the week right through the month of August. Those who are watching on 3ABN are welcome to come as a member of the team. The Alaskas are going to be in charge of putting the tour together. It's going to start, I think, July 29 or July 28. And then it's going to go 30 nights. We're not going to have a break. But we're going to run in this theater that seats 9,500. So what should we do about all these things? Let me say this to you. I believe that God is calling us as a church to preach the gospel as we've never preached it before. I believe that we need to be buying those people Bibles we ought to buy 50,000 Bibles for the people of the Ukraine. That'll cost $100,000. I do not know how it is going to come, but I do know this, it is going to come. God is going to give us the money to feed these people. Um, I just want to say to you today, with all my heart, that we have seen the mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God. We've heard the cry of the Russian people. We've heard the cry of the Ukrainian people. Where's that ruble note, Steve? You got it? Here it is. You may be putting your money in the bank. I say to the people watching on 3ABN, you may be putting it in whatever they call it. CDs, is that what they call it? You may be putting your money in all those things. You may lose it all. This was worth 13000 It's worth today $2. I want to say to the folks who are here today, the regular members of the church, I appeal to you in the name of God, put your money into the preaching of the gospel and the saving of souls. Now, I'll tell you one other story. A dear friend of mine over there is Pastor Mikhail Kulikov, who spent five years in Siberia. When Gorbachev came to power, Pastor Kulikov was called by Gorbachev, Mr. Gorbachev, to the Kremlin. And Pastor Kulikov told him about the five years in Siberia, the freezing cold, the beatings, the hunger, 
how he lost his brother, who starved to death. And then Pastor, Pastor Kulakoff, when he was talking to, to Gorbachev, said this, we feel as Adventists, Christians, we must take our message to the world. And Mr. Gorbachev looked at him and said, Pastor Kulikov, I am asking you, for the sake of the Russian people, take this message that you believe in and preach it. And then he said this. This was Mikhail Gorbachev. He said, Pastor Kulikov, whatever you do, do it quickly. He said, I am able to hold back the powers while I'm here. He said, maybe we can hold back the powers of darkness for some years. But he said, whatever you do, do it quickly. So my report today as one who's just got off the plane from the ex-Soviet Union is this, that we have seen the glory of God. We have seen the outpouring of the Spirit of God. We believe that God is alive and on his throne and the gospel is being preached. And my appeal to the church of the living God in North America is to unite and to give as never before for the preaching of the everlasting gospel to the millions of people, 280 million people who are sitting today in the valley of the shadow of death. I just hope today that in our hearts there'll come a stirring and a desire to follow Jesus and to be true to him and to preach his word. So help us God. Please pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we thank you today for what you've done and what you've done through us. We thank you for the gawky, bitter experience when we were taken from the Kremlin that we'd paid for but sent down to Gorky into apparent oblivion where there have been the largest baptisms in the history of the ex-Soviet Union. So we say to you, thank you. Thank you for the disappointments and thank you for the bitter experiences. We thank you today that you can turn bitterness into sweetness. We thank you for 5,000 new believers today in the city of Nizhny Novgorod our hearts go out to them, to Katharina, with a mad husband and a mad son, who lost a dog, but whose faith is in you. Bless her today. Help her to find a dog. We pray for young Julia. Bless her and a mother and a grandmother, living on $20 a month. We pray for Dr. Julia, the governor's sister, and the outstanding television program that is reaching millions. We thank you for the people who are coming to know Christ. We pray for the governor of Nizhny Novgorod province, Boris Nemtsov, who has guaranteed freedom to preach the word while he's there. Bless him. Bring him to Christ, Julia's brother. Our Father, we do not close without a prayer for our churches in this part of the world. 
Maybe, Lord, we need to lose our dollars and lose our freedom, and then we will love you more. We pray that you will put a fire in our hearts and forgive us for our coldness of soul and fill us today with Christ and his love. And may we give our hearts and our money for the salvation of the lost while it is still called today. We thank you for this church. We thank you for Three Angels Broadcasting Network. We thank you for people who are across this land who've come to the help of God and whose money has been used for the salvation of the lost. Bless them today. Bless us all. And we thank you that soon the gospel will be preached in all the world and the kingdom of God will come. Thank you, dear Father. In Jesus' name, amen. gentleman who came with me to the Ukraine and Russia is right here with me, Elder Norm Matiko. Elder, Elder Matiko really comes from the Ukraine, at least. My ancestry. Yeah, ancestry comes from the Ukraine. And I stand before you today with a very deep conviction, a conviction that now is the time to reach the masses of people in the city of Kiev, the capital of the Ukraine. Amen. Two and a half weeks ago, I, I was there. It's a picturesque city, built on seven hills. 30% of the city is parkland. And I did not realize during my three visits during the mid-60s that 30 years later I would have the opportunity to visit Kiev again. But this time for another purpose, and that is to have a small part in preparing that city for a massive evangelistic thrust in that dear city, 
with its millions of disillusioned people. Disillusioned because of communism and its promise of utopia. Disillusioned by the state church, who it now is making every effort, making political inroads to uh, confuse the people. Now after four years, disillusioned with perestroika. You see, 30 years ago, the ruble was worth a dollar twenty-five cents U.S. Today, for a dollar and twenty-five cents, you can almost buy six thousand rubles. And so, there's the ruble isn't worth much. I hold in my hand a twenty-thousand-dollar coupon note. This is the current currency in the Ukraine. This coupon for twenty thousand. Uh, 20,000 coupons will not buy a loaf of bread. These are poor people. They're disillusioned with so many voices that are trying to bring them out of their troubled lives. In a city where there are only two classes of people, those that are extremely wealthy and those that are very, very poor, with only bread and water to eat, and if they're lucky, potatoes once a week, mm -hmm. in some cases. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me today that I hear them saying, is there something missing? Is there more to life? Who can tell us where to turn? Help us through the strife. Can we find the answers? Can we really know? Does the Bible tell for us where to go? And as I think of this, I cannot help but realize that while we were there, we had the privilege of speaking to many of the 2,500 born-again Christian Seventh-day Adventists in that city of Kiev alone. And their cry to each one of us is, can you come and help us? And I'm reminded today as I think of that experience of Captain Bates, who sold his sailing ship, so history states, and gave as many thousands to the cause to print the present truth of heaven's laws. Henceforth he made his purchase of flour not by the barrel but just from hour to hour. He cast his own security aside to give the world his best before he died. And we're here today because such men and women believed the truth of God enough to act. We see the spirit in all the pioneers. And we see the spirit in the folk that are here in this congregation. And those of you that are listening to the telecast on 3ABN, and I want to say today, what, what need I say more? Whatever we do, we must do quickly, mm -hmm. because the door will soon close. And so this is a faith ministry, and today we earnestly solicit each one of your help in reaching these millions of people in the city of Kiev. This ministry needs $260,000 as we prepare for this crusade to pay for the, the hall, the, the handbills, 500,000 to a million handbills they're requesting, mm -hmm. the radio, television, and the newspaper advertising to print uh, all those handbills and to purchase 40,000 Bibles. It all takes money. And I know we can count upon you for that help. Because I know that it pays. As we think of Nizhny Novgorod and what took place there, as we saw just a few days ago, these people are so loving and they love Jesus. Mm -hmm. Just 
a few short months many ago, many of them did not know Jesus Christ. And I know that these people in the city of Kiev today are saying to you and to me, as they look forward to hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they say to you and to me, thank you for being here when I need you. You have opened my heart and mind to a new world. You have given me an important message in a way that I understand, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And so I invite you today to, to give a substantial gift, a tax-deductible gift to this ministry for the city of Kiev, for the millions of people that are searching and longing today. And in so doing, on behalf of these people, I say to you, thank you for caring and sharing, and may God bless you. And to live is Christ For I've been crucified And to live is Christ Let my life be a fountain of your let my life be a fragrant sacrifice that the hurt and bruised may know the God that loves them so forever. Let my To die is given. There is no other life that I desire to claim than the life that's dead. I might live again No more in self to pride For I have died And to live is Christ And to live is Christ I've been crucified And to live is Christ